This episode is brought to you by the Boardman Review, the Workshop Brewing Company, and Tilt Think Improv. Tilt Think Improv is leading group play and games online to remote teams to enhance teams' engagement, community, and gosh darn fun factor. If your team is meeting online and need to mix it up, contact Tilt Think Improv at tiltthink.com. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Favette, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Yeah! All right, so the uh, proverb that we're working on today appears variously in uh, various cultures, but essentially is this admonishment to never marry a woman with big feet. Lisa, have you ever thought about marrying a woman with big feet? I never thought about that. I think if I did meet a woman with big feet and we had a mutual attraction, I mean, I wouldn't say that's out of the question, but apparently in lots of cultures, that was the phrase. So we see it in um, uh, the cultures of Malawi and Mozambique. We see it in the cultures of, um, there's a Chinese proverb that's associated with that. Also in Hebrew, I'm sure many other cultures, this idea that a woman with big feet is not so desirable. Um, so the Sena tribe in uh, Malawi and Mozambique, they have this proverb. It goes something like this. It says, never marry a woman with bigger feet than your own. Don't marry the one with the biggest feet because she is your fellow male. <laughs> that's that's, that's the how extension. I always try to tell people, tell you know, yeah. gender. Well, like, that's what I do. I don't look at the face or listen or any, to the voice. I look or, down at the feet and I'm like, oh, look at that. There's a b- bunch of males in this place, even though one of the males is in high heels, but those heels are huge. Hey, so must be a male. Well, yeah. And also <laughs> I, I, you just have to ask what pronouns they prefer. And that's, that's right. much simpler. And then in the Chinese proverb is the woman with the long feet ends up alone in a room. Ends up alone in her. She's a, she's a lonely woman with the big feet, the long feet. I don't mean say. to be culturally insensitive, but I do find myself chuckling a bit at these. At the, well, yeah. T- I mean, tell me it, more. Uh, so I think we could think about this in ancient China. Um, a small woman would equal small feet would equal attraction because the, the, the small feet means that um, this person's more vulnerable and this person is then considered more attractive because that more was, subject was, to bullying and, um, and well, uh, you know, the kind of confirms the established you can, like, really gender boss them around with that. You, you can, can really boss them around. around. And of course it famously in ancient China, there were bound feet. The yeah, women, I was thinking about that too. Yeah. They would bind their feet so that they would look particularly small and particularly attractive for finding a mate. And of course, all of this confirms established gender hierarchy. None of this is a surprise. We're not like revealing that there is some bias out there uh, in ancient times, as well as a bit today. Um, in the Hebrew, there's a similar saying. It says, 
I do not desire a shoe that is larger than my feet. Uh, now, how that that is having to do with marrying higher than your class. Oh, okay. So if you marry a woman higher of a higher class than you, than you as a male, then it means you would lose some control and you don't want to lose control. It's all about men keeping control, this whole thing. It is. It's a bit, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked of all this. Gosh. Um, so I, and what I think is really funny about this is that, so of course in nature, women tend to have smaller feet than men. I mean, in nature, on average, men have uh, higher yeah. stature, which would be a higher, uh, you know, higher height, which would be, um, Bigger feet. Present company ex- accepted. Accepted, but a big heart, <laughs> big heart feet. You know what they uh, say. And, I th- and a part of this then, it kind of, quote unquote, proves men are meant to be the authority. Kind of like this bigger stature is in nature. It just shows that men are bigger. Therefore, they are the ones that would have the authority. It's kind of like using- it's Like hegemonic mindset. So I don't know. What did you find on this, Pete? You know, I mean- I, I looked into that thing about the relative sizes of feet and stuff. <clears throat> there isn't any official data. Um, no one like there's no organization that tracks average shoe size, but anecdotal evidence suggests that men's average shoe size is around 10 and a half in the U S um, about it ranges between nine and 12 worldwide. Um, and uh, just a side note, uh, shoe size doesn't have any indication of uh, any correlation with health um, or for that matter, penis size, uh, okay. which is a common misconception. I'm so, you and your investigative reporting, Pete, I'm, yep. thanks for bringing that up. Well, so is, is thing, this from reading or you went out there and you measured these I, Well, parts? I, th- I, I, <laughs> this is just boring internet research. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I was, I, th- I was like, oh, this would be interesting. Let's see men like me, I'm five, six. So my average shoe size would be around nine and a half. I wear a size eight and a half. So I have teeny little feet, um, which is even small for my size, but that's kind of nice. Cause it makes my penis look big. <laughs> there nice. you go. Um, and that's what, there is a lot of yeah. comparison, right? But yeah. uh, the average, you, I thought, well, men and women, like how big is big for a woman's feet relative to a man's foot feet, right? Average woman in the U S about five, four and average shoes for, for that size woman is about eight, six and a half. Same for the UK. The Australians though, they average about seven and a half. Which is like, why do Australians have bigger feet than us? And the Japanese have five and a half. Oh, really? They're like feet. teeny little feet. I mean, I know with the Australia already. But that's why you should never marry an Australian woman. Well, Their feet know, are so damn big. I know, but I would think the men's size then is also, uh, the men's size then is in correlation with that. Uh, I presume. I didn't, I didn't, my research didn't reveal <laughs> the average shoe size of an Australian man. I didn't quite, I didn't you parse get it to that. that far. I was just going to say though, you know, because there's so much surfing down there, can the women then use their feet as sexual surfboards? Oh yeah. I'm uh, thinking there's an opportunity Well, I was thinking there. about too, why not marry Bigfoot? There's probably a bunch of advantages. I mean, they're probably good swimmers. You know, oh yeah, those flippers, yeah. Super good. They can walk on quicksand and deep snow really well. I was <laughs> nice, thinking, you nice. know, and they're, they're probably like stealthier. You mean they can get around without Kinda people? sneak around more. Yeah. Plus it, think of the economies. If, if you marry a woman whose feet are as big as yours, you can like share shoes. <sighs> so nice. convenient. That's what, I, I mean, I was just thinking, I don't really get why there's like, what is this admonition against, um, you know. Women with. But it's feet. like historic. Binding feet is like so barbaric and how small mm-hmm. is, how small is small enough after at some point, doesn't, aren't there like, um, stability concerns? Oh yeah. You can tip them over. Yeah. Exactly. You're not tipping over an Australian woman. No way. They're so sturdy. <laughs> they're Absolutely. grounded. They're grounded. Yeah. And when they want to get away, they just bound away on those long ass feet they have. 
Kind of like a kangaroo. Right. <laughs> Have you seen how big kangaroos feet are? Kangaroo feet are huge. Could you imagine if they had a similar proverb in kangarooian language? I know. Those there wouldn't be any more kangaroos. They go extinct. No babies. No. <laughs> no sorry, bye, don't bye. even start me on it. Australian accent. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible travesty. Uh, now, I was also looking at some parts of Orthodox Islamic cultures, um, as we know, you know that there are um, female faces are sometimes shrouded, but the nude. Foot is not necessarily shrouded. And this becomes um, a way, there are some sayings um, uh, that uh, in Arabic that have to do with, you know, the beauty of a feet can talk about the beauty of the woman. And so this idea uh, that if like you have suggestive. a beautiful foot, then there's probably a beautiful face. Well, there are there as well. sexual fetishes around, around feet. Plenty yeah. of people forget that's their turn on. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get that one, but I suppose I know it exists. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was wondering if there's, uh, there's definitely some sexist overtones here for sure. Those are obvious, but there's, I think a certain amount of classism going on here too, because I it may, I think it's the case that going barefoot, um, tends to, your feet tend to get bigger than, you know, certainly sure. than if you're wearing tight shoes, which most, a lot of Western cultures seem to impose on them, on, on women. Um, so is there something about like, <clears throat> and also having children, my wife says that after she had kids, her feet got you know, after our kids are, her feet got bigger. So maybe there's a thing about just sort of, you know, getting older or working out with not wearing shoes or heavy labor or something like that might make your feet bigger. And then there would be like a bias towards women who were, you know. Yeah. Having to do manual type of labor or be, yeah. Being outside. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. Um, you know, I, and I, I was thinking about this idea of this, this foot as something that in some cultures are, and this erogenous zone. And then, you know, how, how do parts of the body become erogenous zones? So I was looking up oh, this, yeah. this idea of shifting erogenous zones. Huh, um, interesting. Yeah. So that idea shifting erogenous zones that came up in the 1930s, this idea that, that different things, depending on the culture and the, and the, and the era. Is it like transgression becomes, areas you're not supposed to touch become more sexy. Yeah. And it's and it, due to fashion, it shifts. So, so primarily on women, of course, breast, hips, and derriere are, that's the primary focus, mm -hmm. but they're secondary areas of the body. So the waist, the shoulders, the back, the legs, the ankles, and the midriff. What's left? <laughs> you got some fingers, you got some earlobes. Those are hot. Those are hot. So, but see, now you say that because, but if I was completely shrouded here, but just my left earlobe was showing, you'd be like, what's le what's leading down there is her neck. Mm -hmm. And what's leading down oh, there wait, is to her shoulder. The neck is her shoulder. And, and then after her shoulder is my God, armpit. her armpit. Armpit and then that elbow. Uh huh. Oh my god! So don't get me started. I know. Have you? Have you guys should see Lisa's elbows. And you can't right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, Pete. And I neither, can't either. Can, neither can our <laughs> listeners because they're they're firmly planted on this arm. These Those are rated X. Here. Um, <laughs> but so in the fashion industry, strategically surrounding clothing, like so, uh, strategically surrounding different parts of the body mm -hmm. with clothing make some stops and starts to direct the eye. Ooh. This is what's happening there. So let's think about this in current times. So oh, a yeah. bit back, mini skirts were, I mean, mini skirts has come in and out of favor. And but, halter tops. And halter tops. Mm -hmm. um, but the mini skirt, of course, is showing the entire leg, right? Absolutely. Now, what's in fashion now, or I could, some people will say, Lisa, these aren't, but I think is these ripped <laughs> jeans, right? So we had the whole leg, and now we've got ripped jeans, which are just giving little peekaboo views mm -hmm. of these legs. Strategically so, placed. Strategically placed. So you get a peek at the legs versus the full exposure of the mini skirt. 
I have a so, question. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt your flow. No. Um, but like there's this, with the pandemic, there, people's whole nose to chin is covered up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and there's this funny thing where like shoulders or some, I don't know if that's over now, but there's a thing where like your shoulders, women yeah. wear their shoulders sticking out of their shirts. Yeah. Um, that's weird. Cause that's where you get your shot for one okay. thing, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, and then gosh. also you get your face cover. Like I have, there are people that I've met since the pandemic that I've never seen their face. And, right. and I'm wondering the, the, this is like a real benefit for people who have like weak chins and bad mouths. Um, I, right? or like and bad it's a real teeth. shame for people who like, who their primary thing is like they have these beautiful voluptuous lips, right? This right. is messing up. All I wonder these- how the orthodontics uh, industry is going. But the thing is, is it suddenly going to become when we are taking our masks off, is it going to start, is it going to be like, oh, wow, lips and chins are going to become the, it's in playing into what you're talking about, this like strategic reveal, strategic concealment. So should we put investment into like lip gloss right now? Like, like right now, lip gloss, I'm sure that this is serious. I'm sure the sales and all those things are down. Like who's putting lipstick on right before, Mm -hmm. but there's going to be a spike P and you and I are going to be on that, on that big footed surfboard riding that wave of lip gloss sales. (laughs) (laughs) anyway i was just yeah looking at different like what was in fashion so they said in the renaissance p what was what was the erogenous zone then it was swelled bellies what the? they would do like oh i'm sorry okay yeah swell bellies because that would be a sign of being fertile and and, and childbearing childbearing so like pregnant looking bellies pregnant looking without wow. being pregnant and of course we know victorian was famous for being very um prim and proper they were the ankles they were the ankles you know what you know they were all um buttoned up yeah but they had big um tiny waistlines and big bustled derrieres yeah. so it was even like though- hidden underneath their under- and they'd have these big layers of fabric that would show like it's yeah, a like big wearing furniture around a big garbage truck as yeah. we've heard oh, from dump them. truck dump truck as we heard from the kids yeah we learned that the dump truck is what you call your derriere yeah. these and like derriere at least I say I think that's pretty uh, a little bit passe we got to we got to update that a little bit what's that the junk in the trunk the junk in the trunk yeah you don't think that's still uh, uh, derriere I think is I think we're dating ourselves here yeah uh, that's French for ass. Derriere. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah. For those of you that aren't bilingual. Yes. Um, right now it's the midriff is what's really, so you got the crop oh, tops and you got the low slung stomach. And this has to do with the fitness with fitness. Um, so you guys, is that what it, it is? It is the fitness, um, is what's in, what's in and showing, you want to show what you've been working on. You know, do you think, so there's obviously shifting standards of beauty and shifting standards of like what part of your body is that mm-hmm. is, has the premium for beauty. Um, I don't know. It just, it seems like this chimerical chasing everyone. We're always, if only we could get a sense of the kind of passing nature of what is constitutes attractive, like pretty much almost every healthy body type out there you know, and by healthy, I, I define that broadly. I'm t- mm-hmm. just talking, not talking about physically appealing. I'm just talking, or what we would consider. I mean, like if, if you're healthy, you're attractive, you know? Mm-hmm. And the truth is that whatever bo- shape your body is, there was a time in human history when it was the bomb. The it was it the body. it body, right? That's right. That's you right. Know? So from a standpoint of like well-being and happiness, it's like, that's a probably good thing to remember that, that your body is your body and you should love it and know that it's the shifting standards of beauty that are, that are causing any, the discontent that you might have with it, you know, not yeah. some inherent thing that's not, that's wrong with you, you know, and you know, people that are, uh, so that are like 
subjectively considered beautiful in studies um, are not uh, on average happier than people that are subjectively considered plain in studies. You know what I mean? So it's like, just remember that beautiful people are not happy people per se. And people who aren't considered beautiful are not unhappy people per se. There is the route to well-being and happiness does not lie through aesthetics. Yeah. And I'm sure those studies are looking at physical attributes. And then, you know, of course, you know, oh my gosh, this person is so beautiful. And it's because they exude this confidence and this happiness. Absolutely. So, you know, take away the photo and then get to talking to a person. And, and then you're like, wow, that person is deeply content and happy. And you're like, ooh, you would describe that person as Absolutely gorgeous, stunning, beautiful. You know, that's why maybe this mask thing could be really a blessing in disguise because you might find people fall in love with each other who don't even know what they each other look like. Fully, really, that's right. right. Yeah. And then, and then they, hopefully that gives you a head start and you start to like appreciate the real, per, the deeper person instead of just the sort of superficial voluptuous lips. So Pete, when this is all over, you're not going to be turning away repulse once I reveal the huge wart on my nose? No, I, I mean, I actually, I was thinking that we should, we could just print on the front of the mask, the most, uh, you know, the most beautiful looking face that we can think of. And then we, you know, like the Mona Lisa smile right there, right, right, right there. That's yeah, that's hot. That was hot in the Renaissance. <laughs> Fantastic. So I've got some really exciting news about the Proverbatron. We just got an upgrade in some of our components. Um, and I know we've been waiting for this for quite a while. There was a big delay in the Suez Canal. Yeah, finally we got them airlifted out of Egypt. So, so okay. the parts are installed and so the Proverbatron is ready to roll. So um, let's plug it in and let's make it happen. And uh, we'll find out what the first word is. Causeway. The first word was actually submitted to us by an avid listener, uh, Tippy Tim from New Orleans. Now that's what the Proverbatron tells me. It spits it out with the name. And this is the first word is causeway. Uh, let's look at this second word. Trampoline. 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 What I love about this proverb is how hopeful it is and how um, buoyant it is, you know? And this proverb goes like this. A yard on the causeway is like a mile on the trampoline. A yard on the causeway is like a mile on the trampoline. Oh, Pete, I had to do some research on this. Yeah, because um, I had heard it quite a bit, but um, I, I really never understood exactly what I meant. I would just throw it out there to sound smart. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Steve Bake, the, the baker, you know, the yard, <laughs> the yard on the causeway is like a, a mile on the trampoline and Steve would nod his head knowingly. And I'm sure. like, I think I came off really good because Steve is cute and I wouldn't mind if he liked me. I mean, I am married, but it doesn't mean I still don't doesn't want, I don't, I want my baker to find me attractive. And you want it, you want that baker's dozen. I want the baker's dozen. I want those 13. I want that. I want him to kick in. Not just the regular donut. dozen. So, you know, Steve's knowing smile, it's, it's, it, for me, it's been a, a, it's been a proverb that's given me some capital. Yeah. Social capital. Got that's what it. I was yeah. looking for. Mm -hmm. um, social and sexual capital. I don't know. Have you found that with this proverb? Well, I agree with your comment about how sort of, it's the sort of thing that people say when they want to want to look like, look smart. Look smart. Um, right. No, right. Um, I, that's uh, why I say it so often. The, one of the things that I found is a trampoline isn't what I thought it was. No, I don't know if you oh, researched yeah, yeah. that no, side Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I did. I did see that, yeah. but go ahead. Because like for us, you know, what's trampoline is this fun, jumpy, bouncy right. thing, right? And you jump on it with your cousins, then they land on you and break your ankle you, and there's, I like think that. there's a story yeah. there, Pete, but we'll yeah. get into that um, later. Yeah, thanks, Ben. 
Um, but uh, actually, trampoline is a French word, trampoline. Oh, yeah. Oui. Yep, yep. And trampoline is actually a, a thing that they would use to discipline sailors. Mm. Um, and the original, I, I, I read that the, I learned that the original of con construction is a yard on the causeway is like a nautical mile on a trampoline. And what it is, is like, they would put you, they would drag you behind the boat. It's like a canvas, um, comma, like a canvas raft and they would wrap you in it or partially wrap you in it and drag you behind the boat. Yeah. And it was a very unpleasant experience to be dragged for a mile, a nautical yeah. mile. Cause that's even further on, yeah, on the trampoline. Yep. Um, and it would sober you right up if you were drunk and it would set you right on the right course if you behave poorly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is this idea that it's rough that mile in on the trampoline, absolutely. in the trampoline, um, being dragged by the boat. Um, and, and then how it does translate to, to the U.S. is, of course, trampolines being these very popular um, activities in backyards. Relatively modern. Wasn't so modern. Uh, back in the 1950s when this proverb came to be. Mm -hmm, came, became popular. Yeah. And so um, a trampoline would have been quite exclusive. It would mm -hmm. only be with those that had the means and had the, um, basically the engineering means to make one. Cause you're not going into your local 1950s Walmart and picking one up in a box. No. You'd have to have somebody who had springs. Uh, You'd have to have an engineer to tighten it to the proper tension. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's so, why it became this high class you know, with this, it has this connotations of intellectualism and high class. And yes. it's funny because like back in England, right. They're like a yard, a yard on the causeway. Mm -hmm. This is like a nautical mile on a, tramp, on a trampoline. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's important if you want to get that, that credibility to say the, the yeah. trampoline part with the proper accent. But for them, you know, you have to choose between like a high likelihood of death on the causeway if you an accident were to occur or of a certainty of really this uncomfortable unpleasant experience um being dragged by for a mile on the trampoline yeah right yeah, yeah. whereas in the states yes. we have this whole other idea of what it means right and it was it had to do with you are well you're well off you're um probably higher educated because you do re recognize trampolines are really fun and worth all the engineering type mm -hmm. of uh uh, exercise to get, to get it built in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And you, you kind of mentioned this idea of you needing to say trampoline with the French oui, accent. Trampoline. And I have not done that. And I'm just you thinking try that with, with your baker. That's what I'm just thinking about. If I were to do that, can I get more than a baker's dozen if I were to do that? Or what's your, I mean, you're a guy I'm asking you. For me, if, a, if, if, a, if a, a, a woman, an attractive woman, especially if her feet are the right size comes in and says a yard on the causeway is like a mile on the trampoline. I automatically go to a brewer's dozen, which is 14. Really? The mm -hmm. brewer's dozen. Now, what is the um, Miller's dozen? The Miller's dozen, is that- Miller's are, are famously stingy. It's 11. It's 11. Mm, yeah. I've always heard Miller's dozen, but wasn't yeah. sure what yeah, that yeah. was. Bind my feet. Yep. I hobble in. Hobble in there. I hobble in there. Yeah. Um, I, um, like, what is the current erogenous zone? I, I The current erogenous zone, we got the shoulders, we got the midriff. I have the swollen belly. So I'm thinking that's, that's I can invoke. Start. So make sure the, you cut a circle out of the front of your shirt and then like make sure your mask is way down on your chin. Okay. That's really popular with shopkeepers. They like that. Totally. Steve will be into that. He'll be so into it. All right. So I got, I'm hobbling in. I've got the cutout. <laughs> mm -hmm, the right cutout. Because that's Just kind a of, circle though. Well, because that's kind of- um, that's kind of a, a, a hybrid. We got the circle cut out on the shoulder, mm, no, but I'm putting yeah. it in the midriff, which right, is currently no, right popular, mm -hmm. but it's invoking the Renaissance erogenous zone of the mm -hmm. swollen belly. Absolutely. Especially if you have stretch marks from pregnancies. I don't, but I could, I don't know, maybe I'm- Makeup or something. Something That's in what there. I do. I always put the stretch marks in when I go in. You paint them in. Yeah. 
And you get lots of donuts, I suppose. I can always get the brewer's dozen. Try it out. Let's try it out. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Hey, Hi. hey, I like your, I like your oh, shirt. This, this, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I didn't even realize I was wearing this. Oh, oh thank you. It's thank nice you. though. Yeah. Whoa. Are you okay? Don't fall over. Oh, no, careful. Don't mind careful. Me. Oh my gosh. I just need to steady myself. I'm just so kind of incompetent. Oh my gosh. I'm like wow, really, you're... I'm really vulnerable right now. <laughs> <laughs> you seem a little wobbly. I am. I am. Uh, it's just nothing. It's just nothing. It's something with my feet. But anyway, um, I'm just wondering, um, do you have those I can't, great I can't glazed? I can hear you that well. Can you, I can't really, you're muffled. Oh, this old mask thing. I, would you like me to take it down? Cause I, I, I understand well, that's not quite really supposed to, but, um, Okay, but nobody's here. By the way, do you have those great glazed uh, vanilla uh, French style donuts? I have some some stashed in the back, just a few. Just oh my you gosh, need? you can, you know what they say about stashed donuts in the back? Mm-hmm. That a yard on the causeway is like a mile on the trampoline. <gasps> wow, here, let me go get you some. How many? How many do you need? I want that brewer's dozen. We'd like to thank our awesome sponsors and supporters who are generous patrons to the comedic arts. Who's that, you ask? Why, it's our favorite folks at The Boardman Review, Workshop Brewing Company, and Tilt Think Improv. 